Please be seated for our Bible reading. The reading is taken from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone. Shall we pray? Oh, gracious God, may we this morning, each one of us, may we capture afresh how richly you have blessed us and continue to bless us. And may we know how to respond to your love and grace. And may we have that passionate desire to honor you in the way we live our lives. Oh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, wow, wow. What a glorious passage that Stuart has just read to us. Did I see your faces lighting up as you took in every word that, that he read to us? Do you know, if you're ever feeling low or down in spirits in any way, please don't 
reach out for a bottle of antidepressants or a few pep-up pills. Don't indulge in that extra glass of wine. Go and read and reread and read again Ephesians chapter 1. That will deal with any form of depression or feeling low. It's a passage in which we all of us feature prominently. There's much there about us as Christian believers committed to Jesus Christ. And it's about us individually. How we need to look at that passage and see that we're there. You know, I I can reread it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed Brian in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose Brian in Christ before the foundation of the world. I could go on. But allow yourselves, each one of you, allow yourselves to reread that chapter, putting your own name there each time, and believing unreservedly what God's word is telling you. What he's telling you. And rejoice in Christ. Rejoice in Christ. Living each day to the praise of his glory. Wow. What a passage. What a reminder. You know, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, um, and it's to us in, in many ways, splits very tidily into two halves. Chapters 1 to 3 focus on our riches in Christ, and verse chapters 4 to 6 just promote our response. We only got time to look at some of the riches today and what was read to us, but I do encourage you to read on during the coming week uh, the rest of um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. There's so much there to rejoice in. Do you know, what we've read this morning, what Stuart has read to us in this morning, is a bank statement. It's a bank statement with exciting news telling us that we are spiritual millionaires. Oh, and I just pray that each one of us will truly appreciate how rich we are. Oh, do you know, in the original Greek... Verses 3 to 14 amazingly constitute one single sentence. Paul is simply unable to stop the flow of words as he acknowledges once again the wonder of all that God has blessed him and us with. Though those verses are are sort of like a snowball uh, tumbling downhill, just picking up speed and volume as it descends. I was reading this morning, this week, of um, a group of German tourists who reached the top of the Jungfrau in Scotland, in, in Switzerland, and they were so overwhelmed by the magnificent, breathtaking view that they just kept on saying, "Oh, fantastic! Oh, fantastic! Fantastic!" And this is exactly what Paul is doing here. He's appreciating how fantastic, how fantastic are the blessings which are ours in Christ Jesus. Come on, let's look at them in today's reading. Verse 4. He, God the Father, chose, he, God the Father, chose us in Christ. God chose me. 
God chose you. Each one of you who've turned to Christ. Salvation begins with God. It doesn't begin with us. Jesus says in John's gospel, you haven't chosen me, but I have chosen you. The lost sinner left to his own ways doesn't seek God. It's God in his love and grace who seeks the sinner to rescue him and chooses him. And he chooses each one for a purpose. And one of those purposes we read there, chosen, chosen to be holy and blameless before him in love. Oh, you know, that he chose us is indeed a, a wonderful, remarkable privilege. But never forget, let's never forget to or overlook the great responsibility which is then ours. We've been chosen. You've been chosen. Wow. Verse 5. He destined us for adoption as his children. You know, God decided, God decided to make us his sons and daughters. We are his children. We're never alone. We're family members with millions of brothers and sisters with the one same loving Heavenly Father. The one who invites us to call him Abba, Dad. So that we can sit on his knee and be hugged by him. The one who is the perfect Father, ever available, ever faithful. Verse 6 his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on who? On us. In the beloved. You see, you and I cannot make ourselves acceptable to God, but our loving Father, by his glorious grace, has accepted us in Christ. And this is our eternal position, which will never change, no matter how awful we may have been, or that we may well be at some time, no matter how great the debt we owe. Jesus Christ has paid the full price, and ours is that freely bestowed gift in his beloved, in his dear son, in Jesus. Verse 7, in him... In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Jesus has redeemed us. Come on, somebody tell me what redeemed means. Come on, redeemed means to purchase and set free by paying a price. It's what Jesus has done. He's purchased and set us free by paying a price. Oh, this would have been so, so meaningful 2,000 years ago. For there were thousands, probably millions of slaves in the Roman Empire who were bought and sold like pieces of furniture. But if a rich man so chose, he could purchase a slave and simply set him free. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. But the price was his own blood. So that we would be free from the law, free from the slavery to sin, free from the power of Satan, free from the attractions of, of the world and distractions.
And also in verse 7, in him, we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. Oh, we so easily come to confession Sunday by Sunday. But do we appreciate fully what it costs Jesus and what he's given us, what he gives us each time in forgiveness? You know, our sins are forgiven. One meaning of forgiven is carried away. Carried away, that's what forgiven means. That's what Christ's death on the cross achieved for you and for me. He died to carry away our sins so that they might never again be seen, buried in the deepest sea, we read elsewhere. And those sins, whatever sins they were, made us poor. But now, there is his grace that he lavished on us that makes us rich. Oh, sometimes we sing it, but how we need to sing that chorus and mean Give thanks with a grateful heart. As the weak say, I'm strong. And the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Oh, in verses 8 to 10, Paul tells us that Christ has revealed God's will to us. And that from the beginning, when sin came into the world, so much has been falling apart. But God's great plan is to gather everything together. And there will be a day when God will unite all things in Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 11. In Christ, we've obtained an inheritance. You heard that? In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. In fact, it's more than that. For in Christ we have been made an inheritance. Yes, in Christ we have that wonderful inheritance. But in him we are an inheritance because we are valuable to him. God the Son is the Father's love gift to us. And we are the Father's love gift to Jesus. In John 17, we're reminded of this. When Jesus prays for his disciples and all believers, he refers repeatedly to those you have given me. Those you have given me. God has given us to Jesus. And each one of us is special to Jesus. Yes, you. Yes, me. This is a bank statement, isn't it? Verses 13 to 14. The Holy Spirit is mentioned by name, but his activity is assumed throughout, and his varied work is described elsewhere in Scripture and in later chapters in Ephesians. But specifically in verse 13, it says that we have been marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit has put his stamp of ownership on us. You know, when we come to that moment of turning to Christ in repentance, believing in him and committing our lives uh, to follow him, so the Holy Spirit marks us as his own. And we know who we are and what is our inheritance. You know, quite a few years ago, 
when I was teaching at college, one of our boys, uh, a 13-year-old, died of cancer. Three days before he died, one of his friends went to visit him. How are you? asked the friend. Oh, I'm okay, replied the dying lad. Oh, but I thought you were very ill and about to die. Yes, I am. But I'm a Christian. And because of Jesus, I know where I'm going. That's the Holy Spirit's seal. In verse 14, the pledge of our inheritance, or as the NIV translates it, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. There we are. Some of the blessings which are ours, some of our riches in Christ. I wonder whether we've forgotten how rich we are. Maybe we've never fully appreciated our spiritual millionaire status. I'm reminded of an old South American man who used up his life savings to buy a boat ticket to Britain to visit his relatives who'd emigrated. After several days on board, his fellow passengers realized that he was never present at meals. When they asked him why he wasn't coming to the dining room, he replied feebly, I've no money and I can't afford to pay. He was going without because he hadn't appreciated that meals were included in the price of the boat ticket. Do you know, very sadly, many Christians are like him, living below the level of their inheritance as God's children. Oh, come on, may we never, ever be like them. Everything, everything that we have and are in Christ comes from God our Father and returns to him. We are to reveal to the world that as God's people, we are God's possession. Released from no longer relying on our own poor, meager resources, but enriched each day with his limitless grace and love. Oh, and may we live our lives to the praise of his glory and grace, as we're reminded there, to live to the praise of his glory and grace as we worship him by our words and our deeds, just reflecting and radiating his love and his light and his joy, the joy that we have in him, and so leading others to see and praise him too. And you know, like those on the top of the Jungfrau, let's ensure that we are declaring fantastic by the people we are. Come on, let's pray as we echo Paul's words. Oh, blessed in Christ, with every spiritual blessing, may we live our lives with his power at work within us to the praise of his glory 
and the revelation of our Lord and Saviour to a lost and needy world. Amen.